0: Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you guys. It's just so good to be together this morning, isn't it? I, I love you know. We, sometimes we forget because uh, because because we call it Easter, we forget it's really the resurrection. This is about the resurrection. You know this, many of you know this, that in the church, there's the tradition where we say, he is risen, and everybody shouts, he is risen indeed. So this morning, I say to you, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. And, and you know, we remember this. It's so funny. Like, I always think it's, it's funny when you talk to pastors, and I have pastor buddies, and buddies in the church, and we always go, oh, man, super, you know, the Easter, it's, it's, it's like the church's Super Bowl. It's like our Super Bowl Sunday. And, and I always just think, yeah, like God's sitting in heaven going, man. I'm glad those folks came up with the Super Bowl, because now we understand Easter. You, you know what I mean? Like, I just got to laugh about that. It's so much more than that, man. But, but it is. It's a big day, and, and so it's good to be here. It's good to have you guys here. We had such a great time, uh, first service this morning, and so I'm excited about that. If you're a visitor, guest, first-timer, second-timer, love that you would join us. On, on our big day on the day of the resurrection that we, where we commemorate that, and so love having you here this morning obviously we 're going to talk about the resurrection and and again, listen if there 's no resurrection we 're not here we 're just not here and so uh, we 'll we'll, we'll chat about that this morning Acts chapter five, if you have your Bible with you acts chapter five that 's where you 're going to want to be this morning, and uh, when you get that and you 're ready i 'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you would and uh, I always just say this if you're new, if you're a guest or a visitor. Man, we don't do this up-down. This isn't a workout class. like We don't do the up-down thing the whole day. But, but we do, when we, sing our, when we read our primary text, we stand to our feet. And the reason is this. It's not right or wrong. It's not right or wrong. It's our tradition. But for us, it is symbolic. Because we believe this is God speaking right now. This is God speaking. So Acts chapter 5. Uh, I'm actually starting in about verse uh, 26. Follow along as I read. It says this. The captain this is the captain of the guards, went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. We gave you guys strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. That would be Jesus. And he said, uh, he said instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about Jesus, and you want to make us responsible for his death. Verse 29, but Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Verse 31, then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We're witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. Verse 33, and when they heard this, The high council was furious, and they decided to kill them. But one member, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, who was an expert in religious law and respected by all the people, stood up and ordered that the men be sent outside the council chamber for a while. And then he said to his colleagues, Men of Israel, take care of what you're planning to do to these men. Some time ago, there was that fellow Theudas. He pretended to be someone great and about 400 others joined him. But he was killed and all his followers went their various ways. The whole movement came to nothing. And after him, verse 37, at the time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him, but he was killed too. And all his followers were scattered. So here's my advice, just leave these men alone. Let them go. If they're planning and doing these things merely on their own, It will soon be overthrown. Verse 39. But if it's from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. Let's pray. So, Father, this morning I say just thank you for your holy word. Thank you, God, for what you've spoken to us. Uh, Thank you that this is life and this is truth, that this is truth, God. And so now what we're asking, Holy Spirit, our ask is that you would speak into our hearts, into my minds, What, what is it, Holy Spirit, that you would like us to know from this. God, how do you want to reveal yourself to us from this? I pray, Father, that you would speak clearly to every individual who's in this room, to each one specifically, to each person. What is it you want them to hear? Holy Spirit, you got to speak that. We, uh, we anxiously await what you're going to say. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So, this is one of the interesting things. I'm, uh, some of you, if you're my age, you know this, right? You, you might be feeling it too. I'm getting to that age where I'm right on the edge. I'm right on the edge. Like, I just kind of hang out in the front of the house and I look out the windows and I'm, and I'm just on the edge. I really want to scream at some kids to get off my yard. Like, I'm right, I'm just, I'm so close to that. You know what I'm saying? And so. I I grew up in a different era. If you're Gen Y, Gen Z, I grew up in a different era, and my life was different than your life is. And one of the things that I would just admit, I don't fully understand your experience, but I want you to know this. Gen Y and Gen Z, man, I love you. You are the future of the church. I love you, and I love the way you think. And in particular, here's what I love about Gen Y and Gen Z. See, in my, my generation, we were the last generation where you just told us stuff, and we just went, well, I guess that's what we do. Gen Y and Gen Z almost always say why. And this is what you need to know about Gen Y and Gen Z. They don't ask it to be rude, and you don't need to be threatened by it. They ask because they want to know. And nowhere do I believe is that better and healthier and more important than in the church. Because if you're in my era, you grew up in an era where they just told us what to do, and we said, okay. And now people say, Neil, why do you believe that? And we go, "Uh, uh, we don't have an answer. We don't have an answer, right? Gen Y and Gen Z, here's what I know about you. You'll wrestle with it, and when you get your questions answered, you're good to go. And that's why I think the the future of the church is so bright. Because you'll know why you you believe what you believe, and I think that's great. Is Christianity just one of those things where we just drink the magic Kool-Aid, you check your brain at the door? See, it doesn't need to be. It just doesn't need to be. And I think it's a particularly relevant conversation that we have that conversation today because of all things, man... The resurrection? Are you kidding me? Like, here's the question that I think we need to ask. What would lead us to believe that a dead man rose from the dead? Like that, come on. Nobody can admit that that's, that's odd. Like, do you know of anywhere else that that's ever happened? Why would we believe that? What would possibly make us think that a dead man rose from the dead. Because here's the deal. If a dead man didn't rise from the dead, we're wasting our time. Stop coming to church, start going to the coffee shop. Stop putting money in a bucket, start buying yourself more junk. If there's no resurrection, man, we're wasting our time. Right. So, so then why would we believe it? What would lead us to believe it? We're going to see that in this passage this morning. So understand this, that our passage starts in the book of Acts. Acts is after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead, and now not only that, but he has ascended into heaven, and his apostles are left here. The Holy Spirit has come. They're left with the Holy Spirit, and the apostles are preaching throughout Jerusalem. Man. They are lighting the place up. They're turning the world upside down. And the, the Roman officials are getting really ticked off about it, and they don't want these people talking about Jesus And so they send them out and then they arrest them, they arrest them, they arrest the apostles, and then the text, I'll pick it up, says this, and then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them. This high council is what's called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is like the supreme court of religious officials in in Israel. They're the highest ranking uh, Jewish officials in, in a religious sense, and the high priest is the head of it. He's the big kahuna, right? And so they bring him in front of the high priest. He's going to confront them. And he says this, we gave you strict orders. Never again to teach in the name of Jesus, in this man's name. Just go back one chapter when you get home. Read Acts chapter 4. Peter and John had already been preaching in the streets, and they got arrested, and they got beat up, and they got released, and they said, don't do that anymore. Instead, he says, you have filled all Jerusalem, very cool, with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death i think this is a powerful testimony to the apostles that we told you not to and here's the deal these guys have had so much influence they are filling jerusalem with the teachings of jesus and then he says peter and the apostles they reply we got to obey god rather than any human authority see now be very clear this is not a a license for you to just do what you think is okay God had given them a very specific order go proclaim the gospel go preach the gospel go and make disciples that means people got to hear about Jesus that was a very clear and they were told don't talk about Jesus right there was a very clear mandate that was given to them that absolutely uh, came in front of God's commands okay The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging on a cross. The God of our ancestors, like, this is what happened. We gotta obey God and here's what's happened. God raised Jesus from the dead. That was the earliest testimony of Christians, that God raised Jesus from the dead. He's talking about the resurrection, right? And they're, they're, this just infuriates them. And he, he goes on to preach to them. And he says, not only has God raised him from the dead, but God is seated them at his right hand, where he's reigning and he's ruling. And he tells them all this. The Holy Spirit is witness to this. Tells them all this, right? And the, the high council, they're just getting furious. It says this, in fact. It says, and when they heard this, the high council was furious and they decided we're going to kill you now. Now remember, this hasn't been that long. They killed Jesus. They've done this before, right? You guys aren't Jesus. You don't have that big a following. We could, we'll snuff you out. This is not gonna be that big a deal, right? However, watch this. One member, one member of the high council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, who is an expert in religious law and respect by all the people. Now you need to know this about Gamaliel. He's a big deal. He's a really big deal. His grandfather, the grandfather of Gamaliel, was a man named Hallel. Hallel was the founder and teacher and ran the biggest, most powerful school of, of, of religious uh, uh, beliefs in, in, in all of Israel. Like, Hallel founded that school. It's the most powerful school of teaching about the Jewish faith, about Judaism. Hillel now his grandson is Gamaliel. Number one, he's a Pharisee. That's a teacher of the law. Number two, he's a member of the Sanhedrin. He's kind of a big deal. Furthermore, he's respect- Respected by all the people. All the people respect Gamaliel. That, that's who this guy is. You, you need to know who it is that stood up and said all this. Further, you should know this, that the Apostle Paul, as he now has his ministry in the book of Acts later in chapter 22, Paul goes into a town and, and he's preaching and proclaiming Christ and he wants them to listen to him. He wants to give himself instant cred. You know what he says? Hey, just so you guys know, I'm a Jew and I studied under Gamaliel. And it instantly gives him credibility. That's the kind of figure that this Gamaliel is. Uh, is so he stands up right and he orders that the men be sent outside now this is the apostles he says hey just wait a minute everybody I want them to be sent outside the room everybody cool down for just a minute you you can imagine it's very contentious it's getting really hot in there right and he just says this hey 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 can can we just wait just a minute Uh, can we just send those fellas out of the room for just a second can we do that and then he says to his colleagues, listen to me, men of Israel, he's talking to the high council, he's talking to the Sanhedrin, he says, take care of what you're planning to do to these men, just stop and think. You guys want to kill these guys, they've been proclaiming Jesus, just stop and think. I want you to think very carefully about what we're going to do right now, and here's why. He says, some time ago, there was that fellow, Theodos, Theodos, now just by show of hands, how many of you have heard of Theodos? You've heard of Theodos? Only if you read the book of Acts. Nobody in this room, unless you've read the book of Acts and you've read this passage, nobody knows who Theodos is, right? He says, he, he pretended to be somebody great. Some time ago, there was this fellow Theodos, and he pretended to be someone great. Now, here's, here's who Theodos is. Theodos was a guy who lived maybe 25, 30 years before Jesus, and he was in Jerusalem, and he claimed to be this great prophet. I am the great prophet. and He proclaimed that, and he told everybody, I am the great prophet. And so to prove it, here's what we're all going to do. I want you folks to go back to your house Right, his followers. These are his followers. I want you folks to go back to your house. I want you to get all your stuff, get all your possessions. We're going down to the Jordan River. We're going to go to the Jordan River, and I'm going to split the Jordan River, just like happened with Joshua when they crossed the Jordan River the first time, went into the promised land. I'm going to split the Jordan River, and we're all going to go across. That's what they just told them. This is what's going to happen. This is who Theodos is. Nobody in this room knows Theodos. Unless you've read the book of Acts, you wouldn't know who he was. Unless you just do nothing but scroll the internet all day. I would have no idea how you would know that. And he says this. He had about four other people who joined him. It wasn't like Theodos and his brother, Theodos and his mom. He had 400 other people who follow him down to the Jordan River specifically because he's told them, I'm a prophet and I'm going to split the Jordan River. But he was killed. And you know what happened to his followers? They all went their various ways. And here's the big deal. That movement came to absolutely nothing. See, Theodos was a big deal, said he was a big deal, said he was a prophet of God, said he was going to split the Jordan River, had 400 people who followed him, went down to the river, he was killed. Like, you know, this is what they did. The Roman soldiers found out what he was going to do. And they're like, no, that's not happening. So they rushed down to the Jordan River and they just start slaughtering people. They grabbed Theodos, they cut his head off, and they carry it back to Jerusalem. Like, that's what happened. And nobody else has heard of the Theudians again. There is no Theodianism. We've never heard of it, right? That movement came to absolutely nothing. He's just saying, this is a guy who rose up and called himself a prophet. Then he goes on, and he says, after him, by the way, at the time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee. This is not Judas Iscariot. Totally different character. Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him, but he was killed too, and all his followers were scattered This is during the time of the census and Judas Iscariot was a guy who said we got to oppose the government no matter what we're gonna oppose the government they're taking a census we ain't participating everybody we're not going for that and if you did participate in the census right this Judas of Galilee he had some of his followers they went to your house they burned your house and they killed your animals he said he was a big deal well They killed him in fact they crucified him in fact his two sons as they grew up I don't know exactly what they did they got crucified it was just the Roman way back then and all his followers were scattered you've never heard of this Judas of Galilee you've heard of Judas Iscariot this is a totally different guy you've never heard of him you've never heard him so so Gamaliel tells him these two stories and so based on that he says this and so because of that here's my advice Remember I just told you the two stories, two guys who raise up, they say they're prophets, they say they're a big deal. Here's what happens. They get killed, nothing happens. We never hear from them again. So here's my advice. My advice to you guys is this. Just leave these apostles, leave, leave them alone. Just let them go. If they're planning and doing these things merely on their own, under human power, if it's just something, they're kooks, so they just came up with this claim. If that's what this is, this whole thing, is, it's going to be overthrown. You're never going to hear from them again. That's what he's telling them. And we know that's true. Don't you know that's true? That if it's just a human, thi- a human thing, you're never going to hear about it again? Don't you know? Because we have those people in our own history. How many of you remember these names? You remember Jim Jones? How many of you remember Jim Jones? If you're old enough to remember that, you don't want to raise your hand. But you do remember it, right? And so Jim Jones was a guy in the 60s. He was like in Indianapolis. I think that's actually where he started. And then he got to about the uh, 70s maybe. And he, he moved his whole group. And they went to San Francisco. They went to San Francisco and uh, he, he, had, he had a crazy number of followers. And do you remember this? It was like in the late 70s or early 80s. And he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to unplug from this world as much as we can. And he got over 1,000 people to follow him. Do you remember this? They went to Guyana. Guyana is on the northeast corner of South America. They all went there. They sold their homes. They quit their jobs. They left their families. Like this thing broke up families. And they all went to Guyana. To follow this guy. Now, if you remember the story, and you, you, can, you can check this out online. It's very interesting stuff. But eventually, uh, when they were there, he got over 800 of them to commit suicide. And they say there were at least 50 of them who were under the age of 16. Now, just out of curiosity, how many of you, before you came to the service this morning, were thinking about Jim Jones? How many people in the last 10 years have thought about Jim Jones. You know why? Because he was just a kook. And it was just a human effort thing. And so you don't hear about Jim Jones. You don't even hear it. How many of you remember David Koresh? Maybe David Koresh, the the Branch Davidians, I think it was called, down in Waco, Texas. He was the same thing. This dude got a lot of people to follow him. He said he was a prophet. He said he was a prophet. They all went down to Waco. They were living in the compound. They had like a 50-day standoff with the federal government. And eventually, a whole bunch of them were killed. When you were thinking about Jim Jones, were you also thinking this morning about David Koresh? In the last 10 years when you were thinking? You don't. We don't think anything about these people. We don't know about the Koreshians or the Jonesians or Jonesism or Koreshianism. We we don't know any of these. You know why? Because they were just humans. So Gamaliel is explaining this very principle to them. If this is just a man, if it's just human, you're never going to hear from them again. You're never going to hear about them again. But he goes on and he says this, but... If this whole thing about this Jesus, if this is actually from God, you're not stopping it. You will not be able to overthrow them, and in fact, you may even find yourselves fighting against God. He's just saying this. He's just explaining this. If this is a human thing, if this Jesus was just a man, if he was just human, if this whole thing was just made up story, you're never going to hear about it again. Now question, when did this happen? Answer, most of you know this, over 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years! Nobody's heard of Jim Jones, nobody's heard of David Koresh, and it's only been maybe 25 years. This Jesus thing happened over 2,000 years ago. And and Christianity, and I'm not talking about the kooky kind of Christianity that we see in the culture sometimes today. I'm talking about real followers of Jesus whose lives dictate that they follow Jesus. Their lives just state that. I'm talking about that kind of Christianity. Do you know that it continues to explode around the world? See, if you're American, we're so America-centric, we think everything happens in the U.S. This is where it all happens. And so if you think that, you would say to me, well, Neil, I thought Christianity is kind of on the decline. And the answer to that is, you're right, in America. In America only. In America only. Like around the rest of the world, it's blowing up. Did you know this? That in Asia, the annual growth rate of Christianity is 2%. Did you know that in Africa, on the continent, that the average growth rate, the typical annual growth rate of Christianity is over 3%? Did you know that it continues to explode around the world? Again, I'm not talking about the kooky stuff. I'm talking about real Jesus followers. Did you know this? That in the world population, the annual growth rate in the world population is about 1.2%. The population of the earth grows at about 1.2%. But did you know that when you take the whole world into account, did you know that the average growth rate, the annual growth rate of Christianity, is about 1.27%? Did you know that Christians are growing faster than the population of the world? Do you know that it's been over 2,000 years since this Jesus supposedly came out of the tomb? See, that's why I just think, sometimes we think, is this Christianity just one of those things where we check our brains at the door and we drink the magic Kool-Aid and we just say yes whenever they say we're supposed to say yes? We don't really know why we believe what we believe. I'm, I'm just saying. I think there's a little more to that. I think the, the duration of time is one thing that would say to us maybe, maybe, maybe there's reason we need to really consider this. Let me give you the Apostle Paul's argument, one of many. He says, look, I, Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, he says, I passed on to you what was most important. Here, listen, you don't, just just listen to this part now because this is the thing that's most important according to the Apostle Paul. That Christ died for our sins, that's part of it. That just as Scripture said, that he was buried, right? Died for our sins, he was buried, but also this, Paul says. And that he was raised from the dead on the third day, just like the Scripture said. Paul says, you need to know that. You need, now, watch Paul's argument. Watch Paul's argument. He says, He was seen after the resurrection, after he rose from the dead. He was seen by Peter, like an eyewitness. And then after Peter, the 12 saw him. The 12 apostles, they all saw him. Further, he says, after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers. And he makes this comment, which I really love. Most of whom are still alive, though some have died. You you know what that is. This right here, most of whom are still alive, that's the apostle Paul saying, Google me. These folks are alive. And they're walking around the city. Google me. Ask them. Fact check. If if you just think I'm making this up, I'm just saying, check it out. That's what the Apostle Paul's saying. Now, I think duration of time is one thing that would say, you don't have to check your brains at the door. This isn't a mindless thought, a mindless faith that a dead man came back from the dead. The duration of time would point us that way. I think another thing is, as the Apostle Paul was saying, there are eyewitnesses. But here's what was really interesting. How many of you are old enough and would be willing to admit it that you were around for Watergate? Remember Watergate? okay. So Watergate was, am I right, am I in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s? Chief counsel, special counsel for the White House at at that time was President Nixon. President Nixon's special counsel was a man named Chuck Colson. Many of you would know that name. At the time of Watergate, Chuck Colson was a brand new Christian, brand new, wasn't real mature in his faith, hadn't really grown much yet in his faith, but he's a brand new Christian. And into the trial, he came out and acknowledged, I'm lying. I've been making this stuff up. Went to prison. Now watch what Chuck Colson does because this is such a I, I love the way he thinks this is so good man Chuck Colson says this I know the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me that that wasn't where I was going but okay and, and you say well how how did Watergate prove it to him so now he goes back and he's going to talk about the disciples watch this because twelve men the disciples they testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead and then they proclaimed that truth for forty years. Never once denying it. Now, now, just hold on, because you say, hmm, that's not a big deal, Neil. Now, watch this. Every one of them was beaten. They were tortured. They were stoned. They were eventually killed. They were put in prison. They wouldn't have endured it if it weren't true. Now, now just think about this for a minute. Because my argument is always this. All it takes is One. One person, they're all getting beaten and stoned and thrown in prison and killed, right? All it takes is one person to go, hey, 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 it's just a joke that got out of control. It's just a joke. He didn't really raise him to that. We just stole the body. It just takes one person, one person to say, it's a bad joke, it got out of hand, right? Now watch what he goes on to say. He says, Watergate, on the other hand, embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in Washington, D.C., And they couldn't keep it alive for three weeks. Like 40 years, 40 years of torture, 40 years of suffering, 40 years of being beaten. Some were crucified. And nobody says, hey, just spare my life. Or better yet, just kill me quick don't do that crucifixion thing to me, just, just do it quick, but I'll admit it and I'll say it to everybody. It takes one. It takes one, just one to deny it. One who's got a little bit lower pain threshold than the rest of them. It takes only one. So here's what I'm asking. Think about this. Could be the duration of time. It could be because there were eyewitnesses, none of whom would deny it, right? It, it could be all kinds of things. This is, here's what I know. Here's what I know. I, I don't want you to sit here today and go, geez, get off me. Just I get it. You think this resurrection thing happened. You're just trying to beat me over the head with it. Here's what I know. I read an article a, a buddy of mine wrote not too long ago, and, and he was talking about uh, his kid who is now 16 years old. And it's kind of funny to me because I don't have kids. And he said, when my kid was four years old. At four years old, every time he would go to the bathroom, he took off all his clothes. Then he was done going to the bathroom. He would put them back on. But they didn't always go back on the same way. And so one day he's coming back home and his kid's playing on the driveway and he drives in and he says, hey, your pants are on backwards. And the kid goes, no they're not. He's a four year old. He says, yes they are. And they go back and forth for a while. Yes they are, no they're not, yes they are, no they're not. Finally he gets out of the car, grabs the kid by the arm and he goes, look at your pants, they're on backwards. And the kid goes, well that's because I meant to. I meant to do that. (laughs) Right? Listen, you don't scream facts and talk people into things. Like that doesn't work, that doesn't happen. I'm not trying to do that this morning. I'm not trying to scream a fact. And and here's what I'll do. You didn't get it, so I'll scream it louder. And now here's what I'll do. I'll get sarcastic. That always works. I'm not going to do that. Here's really my ask this morning. Would you just consider? Would you just consider? Would you just consider that a dead guy came back from the dead? I mean, I know that's a crazy thought. I'm with you. It's a little bizarre, everybody. We don't know of any cases where a dead guy has been dead for three days, buried in the tomb, and he comes out. I get that. I'm totally with you there, but would you consider it? Not just because we tell you to, and you got to check your brain to the door, and don't ever think anything, and just drink the magic Kool-Aid. Not for that reason. Now, ultimately, I don't convince you, because the Holy Spirit has to convince you of that. But I'm saying, would you consider it? Would you, would you be a part of the conversation? Would you just be a part of the conversation? Would you come back? Would you continue to think about it? This possibly could be true. And here's the other thing I'm asking you to believe. If you are a follower of Jesus, and you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, and some of you, I always say this, you were were going to church nine months before you were born, man. You've been in church all your life. That's what you've always done. See, here's my frustration. Followers of Jesus, we got to start acting like we're followers of Jesus. Like we follow a resurrected God. We follow a guy who is dead and came back from the dead. Can we start living that way? Can we live out the scriptures the way that they were really written? Because, because he's very likely God. Not just, look, you got a couple possibilities. There's more than one possibility. Number one, Jesus could have been a kook, he could have been a crazy man, he could have been another Theudas, he could have been Judas of Galilee, he could have been Jim Jones. He, like, like that's entirely, that's a possibility, right? Here's another possibility. Maybe he's a sociopath. Maybe he's a narcissist. He's a pathologic liar. That's a possibility. But there is a third possibility. And the third possibility is this. He's God. He's exa- as crazy as it sounds, for very good reason. He's God. He absolutely could be exactly who he said he was. And I think if that's the case, Then I think you've got to look at what he actually said while he was here, and you've got to pay attention. You've got to be heads up. Let me just give you two things to think about. Number one, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of the life. Anybody who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everybody who lives in me and believes in me will never die. He's talking about eternity. He's talking about your soul. Now, Christianity isn't just about you getting a ticket to heaven. It's so much more than that. But that's an initial step. That those who surrender their lives to Jesus, who believe in Jesus, not cognitive belief, like we live that way. The Spirit lives on in eternity with God. But here's another thing that Jesus said, and this is very narrow-minded of Jesus, very narrow-minded, almost to the point where I'm offended. Jesus said, I am the way. Didn't say I'm one of many. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody, nobody, get ready for this, nobody can come to the Father except through me. That's very narrow-minded of Jesus. You notice Jesus didn't say, hey, all roads lead to heaven, everybody. I'll tell you what, you can just be a good person, that ought to count for something, and that gets you to God the Father. That creates peace between you and God. He didn't say that. Jesus was very exclusive here, and he was that way on purpose because he's the only one who is God. He's the only one who is God. Now think about this for a minute. There are a lot of gods you can worship. There are a lot of gods out in the culture right now. I love the people who worship those gods, right? But a relationship with that God doesn't make peace with God, right? Those are false gods. You can worship nature. You you can worship all kinds of things. You can worship your career, and you can worship money, and you can worship materialism. And those things don't do anything to give you peace with God. They don't, right? You can can worship all kinds of things. You might even try to worship self, right? I can just be enlightened. I can get there. I can do this. I can grind it out. And people people worship all kinds of things. Tim and his wife Cheryl, they go to our church. Tim has the most interesting story. I want you to watch this video.
1: and the occult and an interest in trying to find a form of enlightenment and tapping into channeling power for our, you know, according to our own will. That became like a really big source of fascination for me and my friends. I built an altar. It was a design, you know, from one of the books on like Western ceremonial magic. It was um, in the closet. I put the pentagram really big in the middle of a black cloth and like hung that up behind it. The altar was on wheels, so I would bring it out into the middle of the room, and then I would draw a circle, go to each of the quarters, relate to the elements, and come back to the middle and do meditations. It was a central location for spiritual pursuits. So I remember there was a time when I was in my friend's apartment and we had done a meditation. My friend was like, um, Oh, so you have, you really have your own um, inner guru, you know, that guides you now. And then I was like, yeah, that it is like really cool. I mean, I don't need much help anymore. I can just continue to kind of do these practices. And then I said, but it is like a little strange because there's like this thought in the back of my head that doesn't go away, that's like on auto-repeat constantly that says, I need to die, I need to die, I need to die. And there was just strange things like that that would occur. These things go on in your head and you don't necessarily say it. And when I said it, I thought, geez, something's not right. How am I supposedly doing so well on the path to enlightenment or wherever I'm going? And yet my thoughts are like coming against me, like to that extent. My friend at work asked me the question, you know, she just noticed that I was look. I think I was having personal problems. She noticed it and she just asked if I believed in God. And that set off that chain reaction of questioning things kind of all over again. I'd listen to some of the the sermons online at this church, and then I actually decided to go check it out. And I do remember walking into the door, and I think this is important because it used to happen a lot when um, I would talk to people that would start talking to me about Christianity, I'd start to feel kind of sick. And it happened when I went to church that night too. That night like, definitely changed everything because I, I did go home to my apartment at the time by myself with those thoughts going through my head and my emotions kind of like, you know, uh, <sighs> having, um, I mean, like a real, going through a a real emotional experience. (laughs) So I did call out to God. Being in the health and human services field, there's a lot of people I would hear like say they were Christians and that that was like their motivation for wanting to help people. But it really started to like get to me on some level because I was like this Jesus that everyone talks about, he's the one that's also motivating all this goodness. And I don't know what my motive was for goodness really. It wasn't even like, is Jesus God? It was like, he's inspired so much goodness that it like can't really be denied. The idea of Jesus kept coming up. When I had that experience at church that night, and it kind of shattered a lot of my um, conceptions uh, and like made me rethink things and think maybe I could make sense out of this and maybe God's really behind it. I admitted to God that He was there, and I believed He was there, and that Jesus was God. It was like I didn't even think anymore. I mean, it was like instinct. I just like took the altar, all of these like, you know, sacred artifacts and like things that were really important to me in spiritual practices and that meant a lot to me emotionally. If I was going to follow Jesus, I knew it was exclusive. So I just threw it all in the in the dumpster outside the apartment. to get married, (laughs) starting to follow the Bible and take it seriously again. That was huge change that came out of it is that now I have a wife and a family. My greatest hope is just that our kids to be able to see God in us. I want them to be able to see God in me and my wife and our relationship and the way that we treat people and interact with people. It's not our job to be the morality police or judge people, um, but we really do have to show God's love to people I have total faith and confidence in God's ability to reach people and and provide that conviction. We just need to be good ambassadors with what we've been given. With God, there's a source of purpose and fulfillment that I can go to and I know where to find it. If I get off track, I can always go back. I I can read the Bible and I can pray and I can get close to God again and I can get my nourishment there instead of thinking I have to go out and get it from somewhere else.
0: Come on, somebody. How good is that? That's just such an encouraging story for me. I love seeing that. I love seeing Tim's story and uh, I'm just really encouraged by that. I love seeing it. And so again, you know, at this church, what we always do every Sunday is we do a big so what. And the purpose of the big so what is if you were sleeping, if somebody's next to you sleeping, don't worry about it. Just wake them up now. This is the big idea. Just want to make sure everybody has that. So the big so what today is this, that the resurrection speaks because Jesus lives. The reason that we do this, the reason that we celebrate, the reason that Easter and the resurrection is such a big deal to us is because it was true, because Jesus does live. Apart from that, Kimmy and I, we always say, man, we'll be at Carri... We won't. we we we'll at Brothers. That's our place, man. We've done Brothers down in Linden Hills. Come and join us, right? But like that's where we'd be. Y'all like, quit, money, quit putting money in the buckets. Like, that's silly. If there's no resurrection. It... It goes on because Jesus actually lives. So then we do the big now. What do we do with this? What do we do with this? Now I walk out of here, know What am I supposed to do? With this? So two things. Number one, would you just consider? For those of you who just admit, you go, I'm not really a Jesus follower. I just came because it's Easter. I came with family or friends or blah, blah. You know, would you just consider? that This may really be something, everybody. This Jesus lives. He rose from the dead. I'm just asking you to consider it. Just be part of the conversation. Come on back next Sunday. Like, again, I always say this. I mean, we're just a room, you know, we're a room full of messed up people. And we just wrestle with our faith. We just have to do this thing together. That's what we do. Nobody in here has all the answers. Kimmy, you have all the answers. Nobody else has any of the answers in here. I just, just want it to be good between us, right? So number one, would you just consider? But then after that, and especially followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus, could you just do this? Could you live your life in a manner that's consistent with what you believe? Like if this Jesus rose from the dead, folks, we got to live a certain way. We can't get caught up and just be crazy, folks, like the culture. Like would you just live in a manner consistent with what you believe, that this Jesus rose from the dead? He's got a lot to say. Can can we just do that? Right? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the dead. We say it loud and proud. We proclaim that this morning. We don't just go to church, we believe that you were God indeed and you validated, you proved it because you walked out of the tomb after three days of dead. So we praise you, we praise you, we praise you, Jesus. We worship you. We're grateful, we're so grateful. And now with your heads still bowed, I just wanna give an opportunity for those of you who've been considering for a while or maybe just today was the first day you considered, but you say, I'm ready. I'm ready, I need to surrender my life to this Jesus. He, he did resurrect. If that's you, you could make that decision right now, today, Easter Sunday, man, how cool would that be? And you could do it. I'm gonna pray out loud, you just pray silent, but, but you would pray this prayer in your heart. You just say this, God in heaven, acknowledge who you are, that you are God. Jesus Christ, I acknowledge that you are God, that you rose from the dead. I believe, Jesus, that you died for my sins. I know that I'm a sinner. But I believe, Jesus, that you died for my sins and that you then rose from the dead. And now I commit the rest of my life to living for you. I'm surrendered to you. I don't have all the answers right now, God. But I'm trusting that you'll give me strength, that you'll give me wisdom by your Holy Spirit. Today, God, Easter Sunday, 2021, I commit my life to you. I surrender to your will, your desires. And now that your head's still bowed, I just want to pray a second prayer for a second group in the room. Father God, for those who call themselves followers of Jesus, Lord, would you enable us, would you empower us by the power of your Holy Spirit to live a life of surrender, surrender to your spirit, not doing what we want to do, not doing what the culture thinks we would do, but doing what you would have each of us to do in our own life, in our own context. God, would you help us to do that? Would you help us, God? We want to live lives pleasing to you. Help us, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.